Chapter Five of A Winter of Content by Laura Lee Davidson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. November is the month of mosses. Every fallen tree, every rotting stump, every rock, the trodden paths, and even the hard face of the cliff are padded deep with velvet. The color ranges from clear emerald out through the tints to silvery sage green and back through the shades to an olive brown almost as dark as the earth itself round the shores the driftwood is piled high on the beach looks like bleached bones of monsters long dead huge vertebrae leg bones skulls and branching antlers the trees are bare the brakes dry and crumbling but the north point of the island its one naked ugly spot of the summer is now covered with a blood-red carpet a close-growing grassy weed has turned brilliant crimson and clothed it with beauty far away on the lake i am guided home by that flare of color on the point the birds are gone all but the crows that perch on the tallest trees and lift their hoarse voices in a mournful chorus but now is the time to go birds nesting to find the homes of all the varios warblers creepers and sparrows that made the island their breeding ground the nests of the varios woven of birch bark bits of hornets nests grass and scraps of paper are easy to find for the pretty hang baskets are fastened in the crotches of the bushes and low saplings the others are not so readily discovered and it was by merest accident that i came across the home of the brown thrasher who made the summer vocal with his beautiful song it was on the ground and so near the house that i wonder why we did not walk into it it is a mere bunch of twigs so loosely twisted together that it fell apart when it was moved every afternoon i go faggoting bringing in armloads of dry sumac and fallen branches they are not especially good for kindling but now that the deer season is on no man will work so until after november fifteenth the reign of the hunter's moon the brush pile must serve it takes constant gathering to collect enough to start the hardwood fires and a wet day sets me back sadly i pile up as much as i can in the empty sleeping shacks to keep it dry and i can only hope that the snow will not come before somebody has been induced to lay aside his gun and cut a cord or two of driftwood kindling butterflies are always coming in on the twigs with their wings folded flat together showing only their dry undersides they look so like withered leaves that it is only when the warmth of the room wakes them and they flutter off to the windows that they can be recognized as butterflies at all one flew to the south window yesterday and crawled there beating his delicate wings against the glass all morning. He was brown, tan, and yellow on the upper side, but underneath so like a dry, woolly old leaf as to be an amazing bit of nature's mimicry. As I looked at his poor torn wings and feebly waving antennae, he seemed suddenly the very oldest thing, the lone survivor of a forgotten summer, a piteous little Leonis, to whom had been granted the terrible gift of immortality without the boon of an immortal youth first i thought he was being given a respite from the common fate of butterflies for i did not know then that the angle wings can last over the winter lying dormant in protected places and that the last brood of a summer can live until another spring i even planned to outwit nature by feeding this one and keeping him alive in the artificial summer of the warm house i made a syrup of sugar and water and offered it but the butterfly would none of it only crawling beating his wings in a vain effort to escape through the glass into the bleak november sunshine at length i carried him to the door and he fluttered off to a bush and clung there 
after turning away for a moment i went back to find him he was gone he had become a dead leaf again peter the rabbit is turning white very rapidly peter the rabbit spends most of his time at the door waiting for a chance crust he sits on his haunches rocking gently back and forth making a soft little knocking noise on the porch floor if i am late in coming out at meal-times he looks at me with so dignified an air of patient reproof that i feel quite apologetic for having kept him waiting his meal finished he washes his face and paws carefully like a cat then sits in the sun eyes closed forepaws tucked away under his breast and ears laid back along his shoulders he is turning white very rapidly at first only his tail feet breasts and the ends of his ears were lightly powdered but now he looks as if he had hopped into a pan of flour by mistake other hares now lean and wild come out of the woods at dusk and try to share peter's bread but he turns on them fiercely driving them back over the hill with an angry noise something between a squeal and a grunt if anyone thinks a rabbit a meek poor-spirited creature he should see peter when threatened with the loss of his dinner evidently he believes that he has preempted this territory and all that goes here in the way of food and he means to defend his claim rufus the red squirrel torments peter unmercifully dashing across the ground under his nose and snatching the bread from between the rabbit's very teeth he is there and away before the rabbit knows what has happened poor slow little peter stood these attacks in bewildered patience for a time but now he has worked out a plan for getting even with the squirrel that serves him fairly well he sits on his crust drawing it out inch by inch from under him as he nibbles but even at that rufus gets about half i am training the rabbit to take his food from my hand for nothing thrown on the ground is safe for an instant from the little red-brown robber it took some very patient sitting to overcome peter's timidity but after the first bit was taken the rest was easy now he comes fearlessly to me as soon as i appear the squirrel is growing very tame too but he will never be as tranquil a companion as the rabbit he lacks bunny's repose of manner he is sitting on the window-sill now eating a bit of cold potato he turns it round and round nibbling at it daintily now and again he stops to lay a tiny paw on his heart or is it his stomach the area of his organs is very minute and it may be either there is something very flattering in the confidence of these little creatures of the island how do they know that they may safely trust my kindness how can they be sure that i will not betray them suddenly with trap or gun the rabbit came into the house yesterday padding about noiselessly on his cushioned toes he stopped at each chair and stood on his hind feet resting his forepaws on the seat he examined everything ears wriggling nose quivering tail thumping on the carpet suddenly he discovered that the door had blown shut and then he went quite wild with fear he was in a trap he thought and tore round and round the room jumping against the window panes dashing his head against the walls until i feared that he would injure himself before i could reach the door to open it poor little peter he is not valiant after all he comes in still but always keeps close to the door and the way of escape must always be open the men on the mainland hunt over the islands putting on the dogs to drive off the game when the ice holds the hounds will come over of their own accord to course the rabbits i should like to feel that for the term of my stay this one island could be a place of safety for the animals that take refuge here and so i have paid visits of ceremony to the neighboring farms to explain that i shall spend the winter 
and to ask that the dogs be kept off my preserve as far as possible for the sake of my pets i may say that my wish has been respected in the kindest way and my neighbors have done their best to make the island a sanctuary for the birds and beasts the first assurance of each visitor has been i tied up my dogs before i started over it was the opening remark of an early caller who strode into the room this morning as i was eating a late breakfast a reassuring salutation for without it i might have feared that the speaker had dropped in to do me a mischief his appearance was so very intimidating he was tall and very lean sort of cross between an indian and a crane his greasy black hair hung in rat-tails on the turned-up collar of a dingy red sweater he wore a ragged squirrel-skin cap tail hanging down behind which headgear he did not remove and he carried a murderous-looking axe following came a boy of about sixteen whose smile was so friendly and ingratiating that i felt comforted when i saw it the two drew up to the stove lit pipes conversed and in the roundabout course of their remarks i gathered that they had heard of my need of kindling wood and had come to cut me a cord presently they retired to a secluded spot on the shore and chopping away merged every half hour or so to bring a load up to the house in this country men eat where they work so toward noon i bestirred myself to prepare what i considered a particularly good dinner for my hands i had a theory that my chances of getting future kindling cut depended on the good impression made on these first workmen i had corned beef potatoes peas and tinned beans i made hot biscuit cake stewed apples and prepared the inevitable pot of strong tea the man drew his chair to the table with perfect self-possession speared a potato from the pot with his knife and remarked you ain't much of a cook are you adding kindly i think i'll just try your tea he assured me subsequently that he had no particular fault to find with my dinner he only meant to put me at my ease and to make conversation when he departed in the evening after having cut and stacked an incredible amount of wood he assured me that he would be ready to work for me at any time i had only to holler and he would drop a day's hunting to give to my aid so the dinner could not have been so unsatisfactory after all news of the great war has come to many islands william forrett returned from glen avon the other day with great tales of armed men guarding the railroad bridges against the germans he also brought me information that i am a german spy he learned that at the station the woman on the island is there for no good the loafers were saying she's a spy she's got a writing machine there and she's sending off letters every day one inventive soul was even asserting that i am not a woman at all but a man in woman's clothes and that there is a wireless station here but william stood up for me bravely spy nothing he scoffed what could she be a spying on there on that island there's nothing there but rabbits no as i understand it she's some sort of a book-writer off for health she's got no wireless that i know for i've been over the ground there time and again but the crowd was not convinced she ought to be investigated they declared then william rose to the occasion nobly she's no german spy he said she's an all right woman and if any man feels like making any trouble for her me and black jack and yankee jim stands ready to make it very unhealthy for him i told him at it william with a delighted grin that you'd a little gun here and you'd use it on the first man that come on the island without you knowed him for a friend but i didn't say that you only stood five feet five in your boots and didn't weigh over a hundred pounds under the shield of william's favor 
and the wholly undeserved reputation of being a good shot i continue to sleep for nights but i have no fancy for being investigated last night a boat stopped at the shore long after dark and i was startled for a moment until i heard a chant that rose up at the dock and continued up the trail to the house uncle dan cassidy had brought over the mail and a thanksgiving box from home but he was taking no chances friends friends don't shoot don't shoot he sang until he stepped on the porch but while war and its rumors excite us all topics pale in interest before the fact that the herring have begun to run whether battles are lost or won we still have to eat a pig or a sheep does not last very long and the fish are a great part of the winter food they save the meat says harry spriggins so when the first silver herring came up in the net there was great rejoicing then the little skiffs and punts started out dancing and curtsying on the waves the nets were stretched across the narrows between the islands and during the herring run no other work was done the season is short there is no time to waste the run began this year on the twelfth the greatest catch was on the eighteenth the fishing was over on the twenty eighth the fish do not come up except at a temperature of about thirty four these are the bright frosty days days when the blood runs quick and the air tastes like wine when the water is deep blue the waves run high and the whitecaps race in to the shores the little boats bob up and down the long nets come up spangled with the gleaming fish and the tubs and boxes are piled high with the silver catch as the fishermen pass they stop at the island and throw me off a herring or two every house on the mainland reeks barrels and kegs stand in every dooryard everywhere the women and children are busy cleaning the fish End of chapter five